Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Fierce and Free. All right, so if you're a returning subscriber, you can see that I am in a different part of my house because I normally film in my garage, but it is 90 degrees outside and it's just too dang hot. I can't do it. It is boiling hot outside and my garage is just like a nice little toaster in there. So I'm inside. Let me know if you like this ambiance, this aesthetic, because I kind of love it. It's like really minimalistic and makes me look mature. So <laughs> I think I might stick with it. Let me know your thoughts. Okay, so let's dive into the story of Ruth. Now, if you're a Christian girl, then you are bound to have heard or said this phrase, Lord, please bring me my Boaz. <laughs> now, if you're unfamiliar with the saying, in the book of Ruth, God orchestrated Ruth and Boaz to meet and get married. So it's like a running joke with single Christian women. They're like, I just can't wait to meet my Boaz. And, um... I was one of those girls, so. <laughs> so if you've been to this channel, you know that I really have a heart for single women um, because believe it or not, I never wanted to get married. I was never that girl who was planning her wedding at a young age. I didn't dream of my wedding day. I wasn't dreaming of being a mom one day. In fact, um, when my best friend and I were 17, she would nonstop talk about how badly she wanted to get married and how much she wanted to meet her husband and um, have a marriage and have children. And while that was, you know, her goal, that could not have been further from my dreams and goals. My goals at 17 years old was to be a big, famous movie actress winning Oscars. And in order to do that, I had to be selfish. And I had to put my wants and needs before anyone else's, including a husband. Now we fast forward to 2023 and funnily enough, I am the one who got married out of the two of us and she is still single ass gosh darn Pringle. So this is also kind of a shout out ladies. If you have a single brother who is a Christian, God fearing man, please send me a message and I want to hook my friend up, please. I'm just dying to go on some double dates with her, okay? And it's so funny because throughout our whole friendship, I just, you know, marriage was never even on my mind. I was content with being single, I didn't mind being celibate. That was not a problem for me. I was so focused on my goals that marriage wasn't like being with a man wasn't in my it, it wasn't in my plan. But about three months before I met my spouse, the Lord had put it in my heart so heavily you are about to meet your spouse. And it was such a strong movement of the Holy Spirit in my heart and in my mind that I told my friend, and she will attest to this day that this is exactly what happened because I ended up moving. I met my husband within a month of me living where I'm at now and we're still married. So it, it's crazy because God can change your heart if you're a willing vessel. We've talked about this before. God can change and move you if you're willing to. But in my marriage, God has matured me in way too many ways to count. But the biggest lesson I have learned in this marriage is selflessness. So with that being said, if you are not ready to completely sacrifice yourself for someone else, then you are not ready for marriage. The Bible says that two shall become one. You have to be accountable for where you go, who you're hanging out with, how you spend each other's money, and if you are one of those people who doesn't want accountability, they want to continue what they're doing, living a single kind of lifestyle, then marriage isn't for you. And I do see in this day and age that women put marriage on a pedestal constantly. 
In today's world, it's easy to get caught up in the romanticized ideals surrounding marriage. From movies to TV shows to social media and pop culture, we're constantly bombarded with images of perfect relationships and fairy tale endings. But as Christians, it's essential that we approach the topic of marriage with a balanced perspective rooted in the Word of God. And believe it or not, friends, there are dangers in putting your marriage on a pedestal like placing unrealistic expectations on your spouse. It's easy for us to place unrealistic expectations on marriage thinking that it will solve all all of our problems and bring us ultimate fulfillment when in actuality that will never be the case. For example, when you become married, you have less time to build a relationship with God. And I'll be honest, the closest that I've ever been with God is when I was single. And that's because I had free time to seek God and to build a relationship with him because I didn't have obligations. Once you get married, that time that you used to spend with God is now going to go towards building a relationship with your spouse and building a strong foundation for your life together. And that brings me to my next point. If you're getting married to fill a void of loneliness, then you are getting married for the wrong reasons. No man will ever fill the role of God. God may be prolonging your singleness because you have too high of expectations that in reality will never be met and will leave you feeling constant resentment and regret. Putting those kinds of expectations on your spouse is setting yourself and your marriage up for disaster. Yes, God did create marriage for your happiness, but ultimately he created it for his glory and to show us how to love selflessly and unconditionally like he does for us. When we elevate marriage to such a high status, we risk missing out on the abundant life that God has for us, regardless of our marital status. As Christians, it's essential that we approach the topic of marriage with a balanced perspective rooted in God's word. So before you start saying, Lord, please bring me my Boaz, remember the story behind why God brought Ruth her Boaz. She doesn't marry out of loneliness. She marries to survive and have a sense of security. So let's dive into her story. So the story of Ruth takes place during the time of Judges. And we talked about Judges um, when we talked about Deborah. So you saw that the Israelites were just... A mess. Okay, that's the least to say. They were a mess. All right. And so this was a period marked by moral decay, like we talked about, and social upheaval. So, in the midst of this chaotic time, we meet Naomi, a Hebrew woman who, along with her husband and two sons, moved to the land of Moab to escape a famine. So, she's Jewish. Okay. Now, tragically, Naomi's husband passed away, leaving her a widow. Her two sons eventually married Moabite women named Oprah and Ruth. Hi guys, editing Noah here. So I just showed the video to my husband and he goes, Noah, there's no one in the Bible named Oprah. And so I looked it up and I mispronounced it. I said Oprah instead of Orpah. So you're going to see I messed up her name multiple times throughout the story, but I promise the message is still good. It's still valid. Just please ignore that and just go with it. Okay, thank you. All right, back to the video. Bye. However, both of Naomi's sons died, leaving her and her daughter-in-laws as widows. 
In the face of such profound loss, Naomi decided to return to her homeland, Bethlehem. She encouraged her daughters-in-law to stay in Moab and to find new husbands among their own people. Oprah eventually decided to return to Moab, but Ruth stayed with Naomi and accepted Naomi's God as her God, expressing her unwavering commitment to her mother-in-law. Ruth 1.16 But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Now, Ruth's devotion to Naomi is a testament to her character and loyalty. It's important to note that Ruth's commitment went beyond a desire for marital security. Ruth understood that marriage was not the ultimate goal, but rather living out the principles of love, compassion, and faithfulness. With the same attitude, you can ensure that if you keep walking in faith with God's plan for your future, then you can believe that he is also orchestrating your life in perfect motion to bring forth his glory. And you have to remember that when Naomi's husband died, the reason women wanted to have sons in this day and age is because their sons would provide for the women. And so when both of her sons died, she kind of just accepted her fate thinking, this is it. I'm going to die poor. I'm going to die alone. And I can't support my daughter-in-laws. So I'm releasing you of your promise. You can leave. Don't, you don't have to stay. I don't want to take you down with me. She said, you know what, you girls, you are still young. You still got it. Your boobies are still perky. You can find love again. (laughs) Go and find another husband, please. Cause I'm going to die of old age. I can't take care of myself. This is why I had a husband and sons to take care of me. But I'm just going to accept my fate. Go. You can still make it. And so Naomi told Oprah and Ruth, you guys can leave, right? And Oprah said, I'm out. (laughs) Whatever you say, mama-in-law. It was nice knowing you. And then Ruth decided to stay. She told Naomi, I'm not leaving you. You are still my mother. And Ruth, with such compassion and courage and loyalty, told Naomi, no, I'm not leaving you. I'm not going to let you just die. I'm going to take care of you. I know I'm a woman and I can't do much, but I can do a lot better than you and we can make it together. So let's go. And oh, I'm getting teary eyed because I just know that I would do this for my mother-in-law. I love her so much. She is such a good woman. And so it just, it makes me emotional. I was never this emotional before I got married. I promise. (laughs) Marriage does something to you, man. Makes you selfless and uh, very emotional and hormonal. Oh gosh, watch, I'm pregnant. No, I can't, don't speak that into existence. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay, sorry. All right, now let's move on. Now let's explore the how, how Ruth's story unfolds, okay? As Ruth and Naomi returned to Bethlehem, they found themselves in a position of vulnerability and dependence. So Ruth took it upon herself to provide for their needs by gleaning the fields owned by Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi. So Boaz was a man of integrity and compassion and he noticed Ruth's diligence and kindness towards Naomi. He saw her gleaning on the fields and he was like, mm, who that is? And Boaz was impressed with her character, so he hooked it up. <laughs> he told his workers, go pluck the fields before she gets to them so that it's easier for her when she plucks them so that she doesn't have to work so hard. So just go help her out. That is so cute. I love that. <laughs> I mean, what can I say? Boaz was into her, okay? 
And he couldn't help it. He was feeling the feels for Ruth. Now, Naomi was a little conniving mother-in-law in a good way. She was she was behind the scenes working her working her mother-in-law magic, right? Some of us were blessed with good mother-in-laws, and I am grateful to say I love my mother-in-law. She's amazing. She's so sweet. We have very similar personalities. We're very bubbly and girly, so we get along very well. Um, but in this story, we see Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, tell Ruth, girl, that's our relative, Boaz. He's my relative. <laughs> and that means he's our guardian redeemer. Now, I looked this up because I didn't really understand what that meant. Um, so here's the definition in biblical terms. A kinsmanship redeemer or guardian redeemer is a male relative who has the responsibility to help a relative in need or danger. In the instance of Ruth, because she had lost her husband, she had to work for essentially scraps. Women in the ancient world had to, had a difficult time finding enough employment to feed themselves, let alone their other relatives. So because of this, Naomi told Ruth, go to Boaz tonight, lay at his feet while he's sleeping and uncover them. Little weird, but this was a custom law back then, I guess, to like show your interest in and so I don't know. I don't really understand that part, but <laughs> in my footnotes it said it was a custom custom law. So we're just gonna uh go with that and move on. I don't know. The old testament is kinda weird. <laughs> because we've been in the old testament this whole series and it's just it's a little funky. It's a little funky. Um so Ruth laid at Boaz's feet when he was sleeping and uncovered them and said, I am your servant Ruth. Spread your garment over me since you are my guardian redeemer of our family. So he did and so he did and went forth with marrying Ruth because he was their guardian redeemer. So Boaz not only fulfilled his duty to marry Ruth, but he also became a source of protection, provision, and blessings for both her and Naomi. So to recap, yes, Boaz did fulfill the husbandly duty of protection and giving her a sense of security. But this only happened because he was sent by God to do so. So throughout this whole story, we see that God protected and provided for Ruth. God brought Boaz to do this, but still under the watchful eyes of God. Because we see later on from the descendants of Boaz came Jesus the Messiah. So it all had a purpose. All of this was orchestrated to bring glory to God. You see, my friends, God always has a plan, even if it takes a little longer than you expected it to. And you may not even understand why he made you wait until you get to heaven. God saw that Ruth was a willing vessel, not putting marriage on a pedestal. In fact, she wasn't even putting marriage into the equation when leaving her life in Moab to take care of her mother-in-law. She didn't know that Boaz was going to come along. God sent Boaz to fulfill his purpose through her faith. Her faith in the unknown so maybe instead of putting marriage as the end goal start putting your spiritual growth as the end goal make it a goal to keep growing in your walk and to learn and become the proverbs 31 woman that god called you to be learn from the attributes that ruth showed her mother-in-law learn from the attributes that we saw in deborah the attributes of courage and leadership the attributes of being able to put pride aside and take ownership when we walk outside of God's will like Sarah and being able to humble ourselves and allow our husbands to protect us like we learned from Eve. Marriage is absolutely rewarding, but it calls you to live selflessly for someone other than yourself, to put their needs before your own, to put pride aside and to take ownership for your mistakes 
to have the courage to be the prayer warrior in your home over your husband, over your children, to lift up and encourage your husband day in and day out. Because I'm telling you, once you get married, it is not happily ever after. When you get married, you and your spouse enlist in war and your spouse and the Lord are your only allies. God may be preparing you in the waiting because you have some pruning to do. Here's just some examples of a Proverbs 31 woman. She is faithful and trustworthy. So do you struggle with lust or cheating? She is respectful. Do you struggle with putting pride aside and talking back or needing the last word? She's charitable. Are you stingy with your money? Are you tithing? She's an early riser. Now, that one I definitely struggle with. (laughs) Your girl is a night owl, okay? I'll be writing these podcast episodes until 2 a.m. I don't know what it is. Now, here's another one. She dresses modestly. Now, that's a big one. Are you seeking a hookup or are you seeking marriage? Because the way that you dress can turn a lot of good Christian men off. They don't want easy, honey. They want God sent. Start working on these attributes and focus on bettering yourself for your spouse so that you don't have to go through this maturing process during the marriage. And mind you, you will continuously mature in these areas even when you're married, but this way you're more prepared going into it and it is an easier marriage when you first start out. So let's get back to Ruth. Though Ruth may not have always recognized God's guidance, he had been with her every step of the way. She was in the fields that just happened to be the fields owned by Boaz, who just happened to be a close relative. This was more than coincidence. Though you may believe that God has forgotten about you and your dream and hopes of getting married, God is working in your life and in ways that you may not even notice. We mustn't close the door to hope to what God is presently doing in our lives that we may not be noticing. Events do not occur by luck, coincidence, or manifesting. In Ruth's story, we see that she remained faithful to God and to her commitment to Naomi. Ruth's willingness to leave her homeland, to embrace a new culture, and to embrace a new God that she didn't even know, and to care for her mother-in-law demonstrates her selflessness and trust in God. She didn't allow her widowhood or the loss that she experienced to define her. Instead, she held on to her faith and relied on God's provision. Ruth's example challenges us to remember that our worth and purpose are not contingent upon the relationship status. We are called to find our identity and security in Christ alone, whether we're married or single. God's love and faithfulness remain constant, and he has a unique plan for each and every one of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, Lord. God, please um, cleanse us of our sins before we come into your presence, God. Lord Jesus, I just ask that you help this episode to speak to whoever whoever needs to hear this, Lord. God, I just ask that you move in the lives of the young single people that feel like there's no hope, there's no eligible bachelor bachelorettes here in this world anymore who are serious about their faith and love and fear after the Lord. God, I just ask that you please prepare them, prune them, have them ready to meet their spouse quickly, Lord Jesus. I just ask that you give them peace and understanding through this this season of waiting, God. Give them perseverance and help them to not give up hope on you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I just ask that you prepare their spouse, God, in this waiting. Lord, prepare their spouse to meet them, Lord. 
help them prune and help them to come closer to you. Help them to flee from temptation, Lord Jesus, because it is getting hard in this world. So I just ask that you give them perseverance and to help them keep going, Lord Jesus. Help them meet their spouse soon, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Alrighty, well, remember to join us for next week as we wrap up the Even After series with the story of Queen Esther. Please remember to like, subscribe, and share this episode if you enjoyed it. And remember to subscribe to the Patreon if you feel called to do so. But as always, please remember that you are fierce and free because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, everyone, have a good week. Bye!